Welcome to the Soulful CXO, where we discuss leadership principles, core values, health, wellness, and resiliency. I'm Dr. Rebecca Wynn, the founder and the host of the show. Do you have a topic or guest you would like to be featured on the show? Would you like to be a sponsor? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Rebecca at SoulfulCXO.com. Please go to our partner, Cybersecurity Tribe, for weekly show recaps and other resources. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Soulful CXO. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Wynn, and we are pleased to have with us today, Deborah Benton. Deborah is globally recognized executive coach, best-selling business author, popular conference keynote speaker on leadership and executive effectiveness. She's developed a reputation with clients all over the world as a practical, insightful, candid, caring consultant. As top C-suite executive coach, she helps people take ownership of their potential by making positive lasting changes in their attitudes, actions, interactions, both for themselves and organization. She's a claim author of 13 professional development books, which have been translated in multiple languages. Her latest book is Executive Presence in the Modern Leader, a guide to cultivating success and thriving in the workplace that was just released in May 2021. It's a great read. You can get it on Amazon. I've read it several times. Her client list is a who's who of who's who, Microsoft, Citicorp, Kellogg's, Campbell's, GE, at American Express, Pepsi, United Airlines, Time Warner, McKenzie and Company, Verizon, Dell, Kraft Food, NASA, Hollywood's Elite, Washington Beltway, and that's just to name a few. She's appeared on shows such as Good Morning America, Today, CNN, and has written for Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, Harvard Business Review. She is absolutely the speed dial executive coach you need to have. She's on my speed dial. Deborah, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. I wish my mother was alive to hear that introduction. <laughs> she, she is sending good vibes down from heaven to you right now. Oh, thanks, Deborah. I have to start the show. You're your story on how you even became an executive coach, especially when no one was talking about being an executive coach, what that even meant. Can you can you share with the, the leaders and, and those out there on how you even got into this crazy business? Well, we didn't even have a name for it. We were just called consultants. And it the, the real start was I was fired from a pretty significant job at a young age after thinking I was kind of a hotshot doing good work, getting performance appraisals that, you know, showed I was getting things done on time on budget. And my boss called me into his office one day and very uncomfortably, nervously, flat out fired me. And of course, I asked, well, why? He says, not that you're lazy or ignorant or dishonest, but you just don't deal well with the good old boys and the chemistry's not right. And then he rubs his fingers together like this. And that was the reason I was fired for this, this fit, this intangible. So like a lot of people who have a setback and spent the rest of my career, I suppose, finding out what this is. I did a lot of research after that. I left into a consulting company where I could spend some time asking this question. When two people start out with comparable ambition, attractiveness, height, intelligence, why would they start out here? 
over time, one makes it to here and one makes it to here. And this differentiating factor is what I've made my career out of in terms of teaching that to people. Smart people, it's just the missing link. And every time I learn something for myself, I share with others. And and I, I therefore have a very wonderful career because uh, I, I get to help people who are already very good do even better. And and uh, you know I'm I'm very lucky. I don't have to take a vacation from my work. My work is a vacation. Long story, no. long answer to your your quick question. No, that's that's awesome, and I like it that you said. Well, I was fired, and I was doing everything on paper that was right, and, and we've seen that quite a bit today. You know, it's interesting when I read your work, and your work is so really good about being like proactive and, and giving us really great examples of of other leaders to model after what works, what doesn't work, what that looks like, and how you should put things into practice. And when I read a lot of other people's materials, to me, they, they seem to kind of like mix up what's executive presence versus what's leadership presence or leadership styles. Can you explain to people what's the difference between the two? I think you need to have an executive presence to get people to want to follow you and emulate you so that you can be a leader, okay? Just being the smartest person in the company or on the block or whatever, even a big title doesn't make you a leader unless people also feel that you as an individual are memorable and impressive, credible, genuine, trusted, liked, confident yourself, comfortable in your own skin. That's who people want to be like. That's how they want to come across. And so, again, you have to have a presence that sets you apart to have people notice and want to follow you because it's a good presence. And then you're a leader because you're it. You're not a leader if you don't have followers, okay? And one of the things you talk about a lot, of, in, in at least your, your last book that I really like, is you, is you go through, when people ask you, like, what kind of leader are you? And you're like, I don't know, I don't kind of leader. And you go through several different examples, like what's a, what's a visionary, what's a coach, what, what's an agile, what's a, you know, someone who wants to be, you know, very strong, like my way or the highway. Can you explain a couple of those? Give us a couple of examples of those different types of leaders and, and what that kind of looks like? Well, and you're right. Leadership. I mean, if you Google books on leadership, there's probably 50,000 titles. So it's always a question, what is leadership? And I do need to make this point. The leadership required, say, in an organization, in your team, in your company, in your life, well, let's stick to business here first, varies. If you are a startup organization, you need visionary to see what's going to happen, potentially what could happen. Okay, so, you know, whether you like a Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, I mean, they were visionary leaders. When you have an institution going and it is going well, your leadership style might be to make sure there's always vision in the, you know, in the back there. You always have to be looking forward, but you also have to make sure the machine is running now. So the leadership that might be required would be one who really can get dysfunctional sometimes or different thinking, diverse people 
on the same boat, on the same train or whatever the expression is. So leadership changes, the need of it changes based on the stage and even age of a company or a team. There's leadership that's it's almost hostile. It's my way or the highway. And that works for a while. I remember one company, I won't mention the name, but the CEO routinely would set up a meeting for 2 p.m., show up at 3 p.m., everybody's waiting for an hour, and he'd walk in and say, okay, all the stupid people out. I mean, and, and he's a well-known person in this, in this world. And I asked my client who worked for him, I said, why did you put up with it? Well, why would you? And he said he made us a lot of money. So leadership isn't always good. And in fact, many CEOs who are leaders just because of their title will tell you there's an awful lot of jerk CEOs out there. So there's business leadership that would be, as I defined in a number of different ways in the book, but then there's personal life leadership too. And I'm, I'm most interested in that because that helps in your life, but it carries over into business too and helps you deal with the style of leadership needed. But the personal leadership of being someone who is considerate, maintains others' self-esteem, accepts others' character, motive, and ability without judgment, who expects acceptance for themselves. That's the kind of personal leadership that is strongest and overriding all styles in all times and all needs. Right now, everybody listening and watching, you're the CEO of your life. Years ago, I I thought of writing a book called Good Lovers Make Good Leaders. And I don't mean in a sexual tense. I mean good lovers in terms of a positive relationship, a healthy relationship personally with someone face-to-face that you're with all the time. Those same skills are what's needed in business, but you don't always find it. I'll, I'll stop and try to be more succinct. It's one of the things is when you talk about being authentic and, and trying to find out who you are as a person, I think that's really key. Mm. And one of the things that, that we see quite a bit is either people are in positions or they might apply for positions and then they get in those positions and it feels like, you know, what's being termed as imposter syndrome. Mm. And one of the things that you, that you really address really well in all your books is that imposter system is not that you're being an imposter, is that you're not really being able to be your authentic self and, and, and how to recognize that sooner than later. Can, can you walk us through a little bit of that? Because one of the things is, is, you know, a lot of times when people talk about executive presence, everything else, it's always about you, 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 and you have to fix mm-hmm. you. And sometimes you're really just in bad situations that maybe you need to spin yourself out of. Well, that's a very good and kind of a good question and kind of a deeper issue then maybe I can address here briefly. But I do want to say on the imposter syndrome expression, which you hear a lot, most everybody feels it, all right? I don't care what level, politicians in the public eye, business leaders, community leaders, most people feel it to some degree. 
And it stems from our own personal insecurities, which we all have. Even the most confident appearing person that you see or deal with has insecurities. They're just better at camouflaging their insecurities. Okay, that's the key, better at camouflaging. So where you get into trouble is, you know, there's an expression, confidence, fake it till you make it. And then there's a, which, which is true. You have to act it so people think you are, so that they treat you like you are, so that you do better. But anything good taken to, taken to the extreme becomes bad. So if you fake it so much, then you have that imposter where you feel like, sheesh, somebody's going to find me out. Every, every day, someone's going to find me out. Back to the authentic self. I tell people the best leader that you can be is the kind you would like to have, the kind you would follow. And that clears up a lot. It's sort of the, what's the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? Okay. So to fight the authenticity concern is to calm down think, reflect, what is the kind of person you admire, respect, follow, believe, trust? What does that person do? Okay, I want to make sure I do that for others. And you have to do it before you're around it, all right? There's many people who are in positions of power and authority and title who do not do this. So do not learn from that person except learn what not to be. But it all boils down to you and you taking control. And I've been using this recently in my own life, which has really helped. The the story behind it is a Chinese businesswoman who came here, her parents sent her here as a child to escape communist China. And she has become a very, very successful Chinese businesswoman. And part of the cultural experience in in the Asian, I guess, entertaining is that if you have to match a drink to someone else's drink in a social setting. Anyway, this woman, long story short, she drank 24, what was it, some kind of cognacs, cognacs, and her friend in one night, and her friend said, were you so drunk? And she said, no, I chose not to get drunk. And so this has been my own personal motto recently is if something bothers me, if something's going to irritate me, if something's going to, uh, I say, I choose not to let that bother me. I choose. And so if you have an imposter feeling, the words you can say, I choose not to feel an imposter. I choose to come across as authentic. And how do I do that? I look at others who are, and I try to uh, mirror them, mimic or or model, model, I guess it's a word. One of the things that we see today is a lot of people are on social media. I would just tell you, even on LinkedIn, I question some of the things that people post. How do you coach people on, especially maybe younger people who are managers and want to move their way up to leadership, or sometimes even leadership themselves, Mm -hmm. when you're messaging even in these other platforms is not being consistent, what you're trying to bring to the world in the corporate world and it's causing issues and they don't even realize it's causing issues. How do you coach people around that? 
Well, you know, I used to say, kiddingly, you have to be aware of and responsible for your behavior all the time. I said, there's there's 500 cameras looking at you, meaning 500 people. I, I was saying like that. Today, there really are 500 or 5,000 cameras, <laughs> 5 million with social media. So one, you have to decide to be aware of and responsible for the persona, the image, the presence that you want to have. I think one, wanting to take the responsibility as a start and realizing it is your responsibility. It is not something somebody gives to you. It's your responsibility to take on. And then if you're going to take it on, learn, observe, watch, pay attention to those you admire who are doing it really well. And that could be on social media or any any place that, you know, the beauty of communication tools now, you have access to just everybody on anything just about. So be careful who you emulate, all right? There's a lot of people who make money and who are um, popular, but they aren't the people you want to emulate long-term in your life. You always can pick out what the best do or what some people do. Pick out the best for you and make it yours, but be very careful who you emulate today. You know, kind of a version of that is a mentor. When I was starting my career, I sought out mentors and there was somebody who had gone further than I had, done much more, been successful in an area that I wanted to be in. And that's who I wanted to talk to and listen to and watch and observe. And now you have so many to do that. Just be careful. Be careful. And then once you do decide on the persona that fits you, is authentic, genuine, true to yourself, be consistent in it. If you do it most of the time and then slip up one time, it's gone. I remember I had a client years ago as a woman who her boss had sent her to me and she was off the charts bright, the smartest person in the room always. But she was highly offended if anybody did anything she felt was incorrect and in a judgmental way. Okay. She was not accepting of others' character and motive. She, if she felt they didn't live up to her standards, she let you know. And it was an intolerable situation for her boss to have her on the team when she was such an integral part, but it's really causing a problem. So I worked with her. We talked about it. We talked about where that stemmed from, what to do about it. When she felt the need to come in and get judgmental, what could be some trigger to stop and calm herself down? And okay, she went back. The boss said, I would have paid four times what I paid (laughs) because of the good results. Yet a year later, I got a call from the boss and he said, you know, she was so good, but we had a big thing. It was a big show and da, da, da. And she reverted back for some reason and and it it just, it, it blew it. So whatever you choose, assuming it's good, be consistent at it because people are watching and they look for inconsistencies. And so again... You ask such good questions, I have to give too long of answers. Next question you ask, I'm going to say yes or no, and that's all. No, I will not ask you that type of question because we want to know this great knowledge. 
you know, mm-hmm. one thing is the, today what we do is we have a lot of people who are changing, right? The statistics out there, almost 85% of the people right now are secretive looking for a new position. And they're trying to spin out and go into new companies. But one of the things, going to these new companies, a lot of times their expectations are elusive. They want you to be able to jump into the culture, know the culture immediately, and produce immediately. That causes a lot of anxiety. And unfortunately, with all that anxiety, like you said, is either you go ahead and, and you might feel like an imposter because people are trying to push you to understand a culture and come up with solutions so quickly and you don't even understand it yet. And you're trying to read how other people are, how they're interacting at the same time. And that I already get anxiety just even talking about it. How do you coach people in these changing times going into these new roles? How can you try and balance that and keep your internal peace so that you can go ahead and make those great connections? And if you do have a misstep for people to forgive you and not to be able to go ahead and just, you know, the throwaway culture, right? You messed up once you're out. I think that's wrong for companies to do that. A lot of companies do that. How do you coach people around trying to balance that? You know, there are expectations on both sides. Employees are much more demanding of the culture, of the manager, of the company that they're working for, much more demanding than they've ever been in history. And if it's an old school manager, it's a little tough for him or her to not expect someone to just do what he or she's told to do. Okay. So there's expectations on both sides. And the good thing about so much information out there is you can do due diligence before you join on a company. You can look at the LinkedIn or Facebook or the profiles of the executives in the company. You can read articles. You can see what they post. You can do so much about the company so you know what you're getting into first. And then Know what you can, but then go in with an inquiring attitude. Do not come in and think like you have to set, you have to hit the deck running in the first month. That's a very bad leader, or I wouldn't call the person a leader. I call it a boss, a manager who would expect instant results. What they want to see is how you think and not just your knowledge base, but how you think, how you make decisions. And the good way to show them is to ask them questions on how they think and how they make decisions. Too many times when you go in, you want to show off what you know and you want to be really good and smart right away. And what, what's really good and really smart is when you try to make others feel good around you, and a good way is to ask questions, questions about What's their background on this? What caused them to join this company? What have they learned since? What would they do differently the next time? What do they want to achieve in their job? My manager, what do you want me to achieve? What do you want? What's our goal in our team? What don't we want to mess with? What do we want to have stay the same? What do we want to maintain? And what do we want to avoid? What don't we want to happen? What do we need to? to do to make sure we don't have something that we're not looking, you know, that that we don't want. The point is, 
questions, questions, questions for a new person going into a company. Okay. I mean, 80% of the conversation be, should you be asking questions. Now, it doesn't mean don't do your work, but this is a way to see the honesty of the person you're dealing with too. You go in with as much knowledge as you have about the situation, the job, the function, etc. But when you ask these questions, then you learn who's aligned with what the public persona has been. And I should caution one thing, although I say you can look at the profiles of of people you'd be working with, etc. The higher you go up, the higher the chance someone wrote that profile, meaning a professional profile writer. So don't take any of it like it's 100% accurate. It's the spin that they want. How do you get through that? By asking questions. And if someone says, why do you ask so many questions? You say, why shouldn't I? I tell people often I do is I look to see if there's Times like this, if they're speaking, a lot of times you'll hear a little bit, those little nuggets from their heart. Our time has flown by so quickly. For companies out there who like to connect with you on speaking opportunities, training, executive coaching, things like that, and people like me who want to get your books and things along those lines, how do people go about connecting with you? Well, it's so easy today, DebraBenton.com. And I will always respond. Maybe I didn't explain something on this conversation and they want to ask me a question. I will always respond to people. If I don't respond, technology failed us. So try again. But thank you for asking. DebraBenton.com will get you to me. Thanks, Debra. Thank you so much for being on the show. You are a soulful CXO. Well, you're kind and beautiful and smart and... I'm glad we made this connection.